Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is guest host Melanie Krakauer. It's election day. What's at stake in Illinois? Joining me today to answer that question is Bryce Hill, Director of Fiscal and Economic Research for the Illinois Policy Institute. Price, I can't believe election day is here. Finally. Uh, <laughs> finally. We've been talking about this day for quite some time. So let's start at the top of the ballot. The very first item voters will see when they open their ballot is Amendment 1, the proposed change to the Illinois Constitution. If you were talking to your neighbor, what would you say that they need to know about this amendment? Yeah, I'd say the the most important things uh, that we need to be aware of when it comes to Amendment 1 is that uh, even though it's been framed as kind of the workers' rights amendment by proponents, this this amendment would change nothing for the private sector in Illinois uh, from today. So all of the changes that would happen would apply to the public sector. Uh, those changes in particular are the massive expansion of uh, subjects of collective bargaining, particularly in the language of the amendment is the phrase uh, economic welfare, uh, which could really be used to bring anything to the bargaining table from affordable housing to, you know, any any wide ranging proposal, social justice measures, things like that, that uh, public sector unions could then try to incorporate into uh, their negotiations with with governments on their contracts. Uh, and the reason why that's so concerning is because when we add new subjects of collective bargaining, they inherently have expensive costs. So new subjects mean new costs. Illinoisans already pay the second highest property taxes in the nation in large part due to the high cost of public sector contracts and the benefits that they've uh, negotiated for in the past. Uh, so if we approve this, they'll be enshrined in the Constitution. There's also language that say that they could not be diminished or impaired, meaning anything that's bargained for would become incredibly difficult to walk back, uh, and property taxes are going to go up as a result. So if we just continue at at the current rate of, of property tax increases that, we, that we've seen in recent years, uh, the, the typical household in the state is going to see a $2,100 property tax hike over the next four years. I think that that's completely unsustainable, uh, unaffordable for Illinois families and is the chief concern for why we should be voting no on Amendment 1. You've been doing a fair amount of research on Amendment 1. We've been talking about it regularly. Could you also please share what that breakdown looks like um, collectively? So not just per family, but what it means for businesses and what it means for um, the state as a whole. Yeah, so we talk a lot about property taxes and Naturally, that leads us to talk about homeowners, but but resident residential property is not the only class of property that pays property taxes. So on the residential front, that $2,100 stat over the next four years, that translates to roughly $1.9 billion in higher property taxes uh, for your annual levy. Um, when it comes to commercial property taxes, that's going to be uh, a similar breakdown. It's going to be about $1.8 billion in higher property taxes for uh, commercial properties. So that's you know businesses, uh, 
who have tenants, people who own their own establishments and own the building. Um, it's going to be passed on through businesses there and then ultimately to consumers through higher prices or or push a lot of people out of business. Um, and then we have like a, a remaining sum of around $300 million that's going to go to uh, farms, uh, mineral properties and railroads. Uh, so it's really going to hit, you know, whether you're a business, a homeowner, uh, you have a family farm, these are going to, uh, these costs are going to come uh, due through property taxes. And it would lock, it would essentially likely lock in these increases for our neighbors. Is there anything else that you think um, voters need to consider? Uh, one thing I would, I would mention is that uh, many of the proponents, particularly who uh, are maybe members of private sector unions, not public sector unions. Um, there's one, the misconception that it would change anything for private sector unions. That's not the case. The chief sponsor of the bill testified to that in the General Assembly that that the that the changes and provisions for collective bargaining could only apply to the public sector because the National Federal Labor Relations Act uh, already supersedes Illinois state law and would apply to this private sector. Uh, the second thing is that uh, there's this concern over right to work. And so the amendment would uh, put a constitutional ban on right to work, but it wouldn't change anything for the state of Illinois, who's currently not a right to work state. It would require, you know, change in the state legislature uh, for that to happen. Um, as, as somebody who's worked with the state legislature for a long time in, the, in this realm, uh, I would say that we're pretty far away ways away from that. Um, and so to enshrine that in the constitution and make that so difficult and rigid when there's all these other concerns, I think is a bit unnecessary. Um, and in the event that we have this big changing of the tides that, you know, the population of Illinois decides that right to work is something they want to pursue, um, that should still be on the table legislatively rather than requiring constitutional change. Um, and that's something that the legislature could do, uh, if they wanted to. So regardless of if the amendment passes or not. So I think the right to work uh, concerns uh, should be the the least of your concerns when it comes to Amendment 1, uh, just because of how unlikely it is that Illinois ever becomes a right to work state uh, with the current makeup of, of state politics and, and then all the negative consequences that would accompany Amendment 1. Thank you for breaking down some of those misconceptions around this workers' rights amendment. Uh, moving down the ballot, I guess, is the top of the ticket. So Governor J.B. Pritzker is up for re-election. He faces a challenger. Um, what do you find is at stake when it comes to this question? I think the biggest thing that's at stake is whether or not we want, you know, the continuance of the status quo in Illinois or if we'll have, you know, maybe the chance that some new outside ideas coming to fruition in the state. So, you know, we've had four years of Governor Pritzker already. We can see what's happened. That's been four years of inaction on uh, pension reform. The pension funding ratios have gotten worse. We have more pension debt now than when Pritzker took office. Um, we have higher property taxes now than when Pritzker took office. Property taxes have increased almost $4 billion, an average of $1 billion every single year in property tax hikes, uh, despite Pritzker campaigning on property tax relief. He actually commissioned a property tax uh, task force to study the reason why property taxes were increasing so fast uh, and 
come up with ways that uh, we could bring them down. His commission never produced a, a finding or a report. Uh, so uh, he's only been paying lip service to it during the campaign. Uh, that's been evidenced by his most recent uh, campaign tool, which has been his family relief plan that offers temporary and conveniently timed, I'll say, uh, property tax and income tax rebates uh, that will expire after this year. So, so we know what has happened on the tax front there with property taxes. We saw also during his first term, uh, 24 tax and fee hikes that brought in over $5 billion in tax and fee hikes for Illinoisans. Um, so the combined inaction and the actions that are taken have, have been pretty uh, consequential for taxpayers. We kind of know what we're going to get from a second term of Governor Pritzker. Um, on, on a potential Governor Bailey front, that's obviously more unknown. Um, he's mentioned proper or pension reform, putting new employees on a 401k system, uh, you know, phasing out the defined benefit plans that we have that have created the pension crisis in the first place. Um, so those seems like a promising idea, at least. Well, you know, it's been a little bit light on details. Uh, he's also promised to use zero-based budgeting, which for those unfamiliar with the term, it's, you know, basically looking at, at the budget and on a uh, you know, proof of concept basis, essentially determining why we're spending so much money on these areas. Are we getting results? Uh, is it an area we should continue to spend money on rather than kind of our current budgeting system, which is one of continuing appropriations. And because we spent money on this area last year, we'll spend money on it the next year. Uh, so those are two areas I think that we had have chances to see some improvements, even if details have been a bit light. So we'll see how Illinoisans receive either of those ideas and what the outcomes are. Great overview of Pritzker's record, not to mention that he's just been a very generous donor to the rest of the Democratic Party, which I think brings us to um, where you go after that when you're looking at your ballot. So you pioneered research looking at historic election competitiveness. What are you seeing in 2022? Yeah, we're going to have the most competitive elections, at least in terms of the diversity in candidates running uh, that we've had in recent years in the state of Illinois. So we have more Republicans running than ever, uh, I believe ever, uh, at least in the past you know couple of decades. Um, so traditionally uncontested districts have become uh, more heavily contested. Uh, so it used to be the case that we had you know more Democrats often running than Republicans uh, and even in cases where there were was a Republican or there were Democrats, the chances that they had a challenger and it wasn't just your incumbent running were, were relatively slim. Uh, so we're going to have uh, more races that have two legitimate options uh, available for Illinoisans. We're going to have greater choice on the ballot, particularly in places where we haven't seen that historically. So that's going to be a boon for voters um, to actually be able to voice who they want to represent them in the General Assembly. Um, you know, we would also expect that that's going to lead to higher voter turnout and participation since, you know, actually being able to vote for who your state representative is would be nice rather than only having one option to vote for. Um, so we'll be watching voter turnout to see how that compares. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that affect voter turnout. But, you know, this increase in, in how many candidates are running has kind of shaken things up in the campaign season, at least uh, for how money is spent and how people have been campaigning and how concerned uh, each of the respective parties is about what the outcomes are going to be. Uh, so 
it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. If uh, there is some some shakeup in Springfield in terms of the makeup of the General Assembly, if we kind of get away from the Democratic supermajority we've seen in recent years, um, and that ultimately is going to you know what has the ability to to move through the legislative process in Springfield over the next term of the General Assembly. So um, it'd be very interesting to see today when the results come in what the the composition of the General Assembly looks like and potential legislation that could be born out of that. One final thing I wanted to ask about was you touched on um, because of this historic uh, choice that pe- that folks have had the first time in 24 years that they're seeing, you know, two options. Are there any um, benefits that could come to voters um, by having lawmakers who are now facing competition? Are there any other uh, consequences of this choice? Absolutely. I mean, so uh, the biggest thing is that incumbents are going to have to be more responsive to their constituents. Uh, so if you know there's the threat of not being reelected and losing your job, uh, you suddenly have to become more responsive to the concerns of the people you're supposed to be representing. And that I would say is probably one of the most frustrating things for Illinoisans over the past several years has been, you know, the lack of response from the state legislature in terms of you know, responding to their concerns. So that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing. The other thing uh, that I think is going to be a huge benefit from is just the increase in participation would, will we expect to greatly affect, you know, down ballot concerns. So as, you know, we encourage uh, more people to participate because of, you know, higher ticket items, the stuff that's lower down the ticket, whether they be property tax levy items or school boards in the future or you know anything that makes it onto your ballot in the future as a result of this higher, higher participation will have outcomes that better reflect their communities. Um, so even if it doesn't affect those top line ticket items, um, you know, we would see greater participation and and a more holistic reflection of the opinions of Illinoisans through non-legislative uh, elections. So that's something that's promising with uh, with this greater turnout that we're expected to see. Today's election day. If you're listening to this, get out and vote if you haven't yet, um, or tell your neighbors to vote. This is your time to make your voice heard. So please go out and vote. Thank you so much, Bryce, for breaking down what's at stake. I guess when we connect next week, we'll know a little bit more about what the state and future of Illinois looks like. Yeah, no problem. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.